Hear now the words of Mark 4, 26 through 30. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples. He explained everything. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Everyone grows up with slightly different sets of campfire slash youth group slash summer camp songs, depending on what part of the country you live in and who your youth pastor is and what camp you go to specifically. Many of us who learned to play guitar as teenagers learned on songs like They Will Know We Are Christians by Our Love, and I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart because it was really cool to be the kid with the guitar by the campfire at youth group. That's why I learned to play the guitar. One of my favorites was always, It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around will warm up in its glowing. And that's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you'll spread his love to everyone. You'll want to pass it on. It's a great song because it encourages us that it's just the smallest bit of love can get a raging fire of the kingdom blazing in the world around us. And we often see Jesus offering this idea that small things can become big things. The things we tend to just walk past in our day-to-day -day lives are the very things that Jesus cares about. The little things matter to God. Jesus says things like, let the little children come unto me. The last shall be first. And the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Now, we see the imagery of trees frequently in Scripture. We see it in two of the Scriptures this morning. It comes up 303 times that I found in the English Standard Version. But here in these parables, Jesus is talking about seeds. He's talking about little tiny seeds. And the seeds that are growing up in this passage are turning into grain 
and mustard bushes, not the giant cedars of Lebanon or fruit-bearing trees of any sort. They're not turning into anything big or flashy. Even the humble mustard bush has a place in the imagery of heaven. It's not exciting like the giant cedars, but mustard is everywhere where it grows. It chokes out the weeds and it offers rest for the birds. It provides protection, safety, and home, which sounds pretty heavenly to me. Many people know this mustard seed parable because Matthew 17, 20 and Luke 17, 6 both mention it as well. That's pretty common with the three, uh, those three Gospels. Most Gospel scholars believe that Mark was the earliest of the three of those Gospels that was written, and that when Matthew and Mark wrote theirs, they, or I'm sorry, Matthew and Luke, when they wrote theirs, they had Mark sitting next to them as a kind of reference, which is why you see so many things that are practically word for word the same in Matthew and Mark and in Luke and in Mark. And that was a pretty common practice in that day. They didn't have the same ideas of authorship and creative property that we have today. Today, a publisher would look at something like that and go, I'm not going to publish this. You just wrote what Mark wrote and then said something slightly different about it. Uh, but that was very common practice back then. What's interesting, though, is that this little parable about the seed growing, the one right before it, before the mustard seed, doesn't make it in to Matthew or Luke, unlike most of the rest of the Gospel of Mark. And if you think about it, it's probably because it's sort of boring. The newspaper headline would read, Man plants seed, seed grows. Whoopee. Nobody is going to flip through or click through to read the rest of that article, right? Seeds grow. End of parable. We're not even told what kind of seed it is. It appears to be some sort of grain, but that's all we're given. And yet, this is very interesting when it's placed next to the parable of the mustard seed. We want to plant fancy seeds. When you go to Home Depot or another gardening store or something like that to buy seeds, you can see all these different heirloom tomatoes and, and fancy peppers and all these other vegetables you want to grow. There's so many different kinds of fancy ones. If you look through the rosebush catalog, there's like 782 million different kinds of rosebushes you can plant. We want the fancy, flashy ones. We forget that mustard seeds are just as important as apple seeds or acorns or all the other cool seeds that are out there. We forget that all seeds grow into important plants and that the point is the growth, not the prestige or the height. We forget that God created all seeds and wants all seeds to be given water and sunlight so that they can grow. Sometimes I think if I hear one more church say their plan for revitalization is to reach out to young families, I will scream. And I know I probably just raised a few eyebrows, but I'm serious. Because on paper, it looks like a great idea, right? Let's get young people in here because they have energy and they can carry out the vision for the future when we're gone. But that's been the church's model for outreach for way too long, and it's not working. That's because, and that's not because families don't matter. Families matter a great 
big deal. And we should absolutely be worried about the faith upbringing of children. We should very much cherish the children we have in our midst. We should praise their parents for a job well done. We should watch them so their parents can go get a cup of hot coffee. And we should embrace the noise and the chaos and the unpredictability that they create in the midst of our worship services. But families just aren't as abundant as they once were. They do not make up the same percentage of our general population that they did 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. It's not because of any alleged tear in the moral fabric of our country. It's not because of abortion or teen pregnancy or divorce or any other unpopular word like that. It's just a culture shift. Populations ebb and flow like that. If we look at the trends in our country, salaries have not, on the whole, kept up with the cost of living. One of the best ways to reduce your household's cost of living? Have fewer people in your household. Very few households can afford to have only one income anymore, but American employers are not providing adequate parental leave for new parents, meaning it's a huge financial hit just to have or adopt a baby in the first place, let alone the cost it costs to raise a child Today, birth rates in the United States are at a 30-year low. It's not hard to see why. It's nobody's fault, necessarily. It's just how things are right now. In fact, the largest growing population in the United States in the 2010 census was people 65 and older. And it was not just a little jump, either. It was huge jump. So you know why it feels like the church population is getting older as a whole? Because our entire country is getting older as a whole. Having lots of young families has become a bit of a unicorn hunt. It distracts us from our real mission of spreading the love and the light of Christ to all of those around us, no matter what sort of seed they are. We shouldn't care how old or how young someone is. We shouldn't care if they have kids or not or how many they have. We should just be saying to everyone, regardless of who they are, I wish for you, my friend, this happiness that I found. You can't depend on him. It matters not where you're bound. I shout it from the mountain top. I want the world to know. The Lord of love has come to me. I want to pass it on. Mustard seed is so tiny, it's easy to miss. If you've ever spilled some on your kitchen floor, you know this to be true. It's not like an acorn. If you step on an acorn, you know you stepped on an acorn. Or worse yet, if a squirrel throws an acorn at you, you know you've been hit with an acorn. If you step on a mustard seed, you probably will not notice. If you spill mustard seed on your kitchen floor, good luck getting them all off the floor. Unless you have a dog. Your dog will probably find all of them. If you walk past a huge oak tree, you're probably going to think to yourself something along the lines of, Wow, that's a big tree. But if you walk past a mustard bush, you will probably just keep walking. In fact, several of us did that in Galilee last month. 
We walked right past this big old bush without even thinking about it. And our guide stopped us. And he pointed it out and said, hey, remember the parable of the mustard seed? And we all kind of said, oh, those really aren't very interesting to look at, are they? They get pretty big, but they're just not as glamorous as a giant tree. But trees take a long time to grow. A forest or an orchard takes a very long time to develop. Mustard? You plant just a couple of mustard seeds, and before you know it, it's everywhere. There is shade, there is spice, there's greenery, the weeds are choked out, and the birds have a new place of shade and respite. So why not think about the people we often walk right past? The people there are so many of out there we didn't even notice. How many dog walkers did you pass this morning on your way to church? How about runners? Who was all over the place that you didn't even notice before? Pay attention. What sorts of spring and summer festivals are happening around here? What are people doing at the Three Rivers Arts Festival, aside from carrying umbrellas because it always rains? What sorts of food festivals are happening? Ethnic celebrations, car cruises. What are the community events that are annoying you because of the road closures and the damage they do to your commute? This week, go on Google Maps or flip through the yellow pages and see what businesses are booming in your area that you hadn't noticed before. How many yoga studios are there around you? What kind of restaurants are popular right now? What new businesses have moved in in the past few years and done well? These things can tell us a great deal about who is around us and what they care about. And then try to find out why people care about that. What is it that draws them to those things? You see, seeds grow. End of parable. Spreading the gospel is not us making seeds grow. It's not us continuing the legacy of one particular church by keeping the roles young and full. It's about us being good and fruitful plants right where God planted us. Some of us are giant cedars and some of us are mustard bushes. So what about reaching out to groups of people who are unexpected? What about the people all the other churches are forgetting about? They're just walking right past because they aren't the kinds of seeds they're looking for. What about the mustard seeds? What a wondrous time is spring when all the trees are budding. The birds begin to sing. The flowers start their blooming. That's how it is. You'll want to sing, it's fresh like spring, you'll want